Hello, welcome to the MR Running Pades podcast. This is Aaron Saft once again. And today um, I'm going to combine some questions I got from Kathleen from online. I appreciate her questions. Um, I, I wish her well in her training. She's been trying to, to get back to some 5Ks, which is great to hear. Um, so thank you again, Kathleen. Um, so her first question, I'm just going to answer outright. And her second question, I'm going to answer in something that I actually had planned for this podcast. So uh, her first question was, what should she be looking at on her watch when she's racing? Now, again, Kathleen is racing the 5K. So there's a few things here. Um, the first thing I would say to all of you, not just you, Kathleen, but is to get to know the functions of your watch. What uh, capabilities does your watch have? What can it track? How can it track it? How are you used to tracking things? So what are you trying to accomplish? Um, by looking at your watch, are you trying to hit a certain pace or are you trying to stay within a certain heart rate? So, you know, it's these metrics that I would set up the watch face to show you deliberately um, and, you know, maybe turn off the other metrics if you're not so concerned with them so that your metric is the easiest to see. Um, so, and, you know, if we're looking at, um, pace, there's a few different ways to do it for my 5k runners, marathoners, you know, it's great to see what, uh, what you're going to hit for that mile, right? So what's the actual pace that you're going to hit for that mile. But for my ultra runners, you may be trying to hit an overall average pace, right? So uh, let's take, for instance, if you're trying to do a 50 miler in, let's say, 10 hours. Now, you know, you have it measured out as to I need to be this pace averaging for the duration of the 50 miles. So you may want to change your watch to the average pace so that you can make sure you're on track because that's going to change from mile to mile, especially if you're on a mountainous course or a single track trail, it's going to be different every mile. But if you're averaging that pace, at least, you know, how close you are to hitting your goal. If you're above it or below it, you know where to make adjustments. Whereas my 5k to marathoners, if you look and know, okay, yeah. Um, I, you know, you, especially for a 5k, cause it's easier to do the math. If you're looking at your watch and seeing, you know, where those splits are coming, you know about where you're on pace. Whereas in the marathon, it may get a little bit trickier to know, especially if you start slower, get faster, exactly where you're at, unless you're watching overall time and have benchmarks in your head or written down on your wrist. So, um, you know, it might behoove marathoners to also put in that average pace. Uh, so you're not doing as many calculations. Now that can be a little bit uh, frustrating because you don't know exactly what pace you're hitting for that exact mile. So it's, it's something that I would play with in training is what I would suggest uh, when you're doing your workouts, especially, you know, the, like mile repeats and such like that, or tempo runs, tempo runs are a great place to kind of play with your watch and get to learn, um, you know, what's going to work best for you. Uh, marathoners, when you're doing, if you're doing a long run with some marathon pace, for instance, you know, great spot for that, you know, either uh, mile splits or average mile splits. Uh, so play with it, see what you think. Um, and then, you know, what I would say too, uh, and this goes more for my ultra runners, I would say that, you know, perhaps maybe you don't need those mile splits. Maybe you don't need that reminder every mile of where you're at. 
Um, sometimes it's nice just to not look at the watch, not worry about the watch, and you just turn off your alarm. It doesn't let you know when you've hit a mile. Maybe you turn on a nutrition alarm so that you know you have a timer going off reminding you to take your nutrition, but maybe you don't need that mile reminder you know, if you're, especially if you're doing longer races, um, not only will it save the battery, but it might save your mental capacity a bit more. Uh, you may be distracted by that alarm. You know, sometimes that alarm is very distracting and that's mental energy. When, you know, when you hear that alarm, you, Oh, you know, I hit a mile, you look at your watch, you interpret the data again, all mental energy, all calories you're expending and taking your focus off the primary um, goal of, of running and getting through this race. Sometimes it's a welcome distraction, but other times maybe it's not as needed. So consider that as well. And again, play with it on your long runs. See if you like that, you know, just, uh, like sometimes, especially in the winter, I love just going for a run, turning off my, my, you know, my alarms and, you know, just having my long sleeve on. So I can't see my watch and just going for a run, not caring what mile I'm at, what time I'm at. Um, well, uh, you know, uh, that's to say, I still check just to make sure I'm hitting my nutrition because um, I want to hit those specific intervals. I want to practice my intervals. So, you know, it's, it may behoove you, again, to put on a, a timer for your nutrition. But um, that said, you know, sometimes it's nice just to go for a run and not hear those alarms. So play with it, though. See what you think. Um, so, Kathleen, to your question, um, you know, in a 5K, I think the biggest thing, if, if you're not worried about what heart rate you're at, is just to turn your, your pace and see, you know, especially if you have a, a time goal, um, have that pace function right there. Um, other metrics that I might have up um, would probably be the overall time. So, you know, uh, where are you at? That way, again, you know, you're not doing math in your head. You're, you can kind of see, okay, at mile two, I hit this, which averages out to whatever. So, you know, you, you, you do a little bit of math, but having that overall um, time, so you're elapsed time and your pace. I think those are the two basic ones that I would have up for a 5k. All right. Um, the next piece of the podcast, um, I want to talk about, uh, your focus on training. Uh, and Kathleen had a, a very good question about, you know, she felt sometimes overwhelmed, I think by how much she's trying to get in, you know, um, between, um, the run itself, the workouts, strength training, mobility. So, you know, a lot of this, uh, I'm going to encompass a lot in, in this next piece. So, um, have patience. If this brings up questions for you or Kathleen, if it brings up more questions for you, um, please, you know, let me know, but I'm going to try to expound as much as I can on these topics. I kind of made, let's see, one, two, three, four, four bullet points that I kind of want to cover. And there's actually sub points within each. So I'm going to try to go through them and be as thorough as I can, but you know, again, limited on time here. And I'm not trying to get too specific with each of these, but maybe give you a better understanding of what I look at for the overall picture of training. Um, and then you can get more specific. And again, I've gone into more specific aspects of training in previous podcasts. So just go back into the archives and you can dip into some of this, these things. Okay. So um, the first thing I'll say, and when we, when we look at training and we have, um, um, a training block. I like to break it up into phases. Okay. Some coaches work, um, you know, very mixed systems. I like to look at systems 
as a whole, kind of as a, a, a Lydiard, Arthur Lydiard approach, having phases working on specific functions for um, maximizing or uh, bettering your um, specific fitness in a specific system to the body. And I'll give examples here. But, uh, you know, when we start out, when we first get back to fitness, just like I am right now, when we're getting back to fitness, we have this base phase, right? We've got the base aerobic phase where you're just going out for simple, easy zone two, zone three heart rate, four to six RPE runs, right? Some may say four to five RPE runs, but again, zone two, zone three, that's kind of where you're staying in this kind of base phase. Now there's, you know, there's some things that you can add in that will add in some higher zones and stuff like that, but you want to stay within that aerobic capacity. Okay. So that's, that's, you know, being intentional about creating that aerobic base, again, building your cardiovascular system. Um, you can start throwing in strides and I'm going to talk more about strides here in a little bit, but having the intention of that phase, knowing exactly what you're supposed to be doing in that phase and sticking to what that phase is suggesting and, and the purpose of that phase. Um, then it just depends on, um, your race, when we talk about specificity of a race, we want to be more intentional or specific with our training as we get closer to the race. So if you're training for a 5K, your next phase may be longer intervals, lactate threshold intervals in which you go up to 85% of maximum heart rate. You're doing longer tempo type intervals or tempo runs. Um, this is that that where we're trying to uh, increase our capacity to run at a faster pace for a longer period of time. Okay. So those are the longer intervals because in the 5k, we want more speed. So our focus is on speed and turnover. So then our next phase would be the, what we call short intervals, or some may call them, um, max VO2 or anaerobic intervals, whatever they're termed, the shorter, faster intervals would be closer to the 5k because we're being more intentional about the the specificity of the event right? That's more specific to the 5k. So, um, but we're focusing on a specific system. Now we're focusing on 90% maximum heart rate. We don't want to get much above that. Um, we, our heart will in these intervals because they are so hard and, and at the end of the workout, we'll get some cardiac drift. So we'll probably get above that capacity, but that's what we're working on. Whereas in long intervals, we were working on the lactate threshold, uh, and it's not to say that these systems don't cross, that you don't work on other systems at the same time that you're working on these, but we're trying to be specific and, and intentional about what we're doing in the training phases. So that's what I mean by having intention of the phase. Now, why do we do that? That's my next point. And that's because we want variation of paces and efforts. If we can grow, we can improve as runners, if we, you know, as a lot of maybe some of the Swedish training that we're hearing about is this low zone two training. Uh, Maffetone was a big advocate for this low zone two kind of, well, zone two, low zone three, we'll say, um, you know, four to five RPE staying there and not doing much else, maybe some short, short strides. And again, I'm going to really get into a, a little deeper dive on the strides because I keep mentioning them. So, um, but I'm, I'm going to talk about them here pretty soon, but we want variation. 
And that's what's going to give us the most improvement. And that's why I talked about the lactate intervals, the uh, uh, max VO2 intervals. Uh, you know, we want the intention of improving these systems because it's going to improve our overall fitness. Um, I, I've had arguments as to should ultra runners include max VO2 workouts within their training. So when I did my Arthur Lydiard training for my coaching certifications, the Arthur Lydiard Foundation was, was actually pretty divided on this topic. I had one discussion with with one gentleman who was teaching, uh, you know, a course that I was taking, and then I had a completely different conversation with another gentleman who was teaching another course that I was teaching. The reason I include Max VO2 in many of my runners is not to say all of my ultra runners. It depends on my purpose and my intention as to why I'm including these max VO2. But if we can increase our fitness ceiling, which is what we talk about when we're discussing maximum VO2. So we have, let's just call it this glass ceiling that we start with. If I am to include max VO2 intervals early on in our, uh, our ultra runners training. Now, again, this is least specific to an ultra runner, right? We don't really get into much max VO2 when we're racing an ultra. So it is least specific. So we keep it furthest away from the race date. But if I can increase their fitness, if I can break that glass ceiling and get above that glass ceiling and increase this person's fitness, I believe that's a tremendous benefit to the athlete. And that's why I include max VO2 intervals. Okay. So creating this variance can increase fitness and the person's capacity and ability to race better, to be a better athlete. And that's why I say create variance in your training. Um, there are four important runs in any, any phase. Okay. Uh, whether it be in, um, in base, be it in long intervals, um, be it in short intervals in the taper, even there are four runs for workouts, I'll call them. Okay. They're not specifically workouts, but four specific things that you should do in every phase. And that's what helps create the variation. The one is your workout. What is the workout intention in the, um, in the base phase? It may be a fartlek. It may be a short progression run. Um, it can be some strides. Okay. Um, but that the second one would be strides. Strides should be included throughout. And here's where I begin to talk about strides. Okay. So um, knowing that uh, your strides are super important throughout. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to take a moment here and kind of just take a deeper dive into strides because I believe this is important to talk about. Um, I did a whole podcast for my Patreon supporters. And um, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to do the deepest dive as I did with them. Um, they got a, a private episode about strides and, and the topic I'm about to talk to uh, talk to. So, um, but there are two different things that we work on with strides. For the most part, if you are doing 15 seconds or higher, you are working on speed endurance. You are working on your capacity to sustain that speed for a longer period of time. That makes you faster in some regards. But if we want to increase our overall speed, our top end speed, we need to be doing intervals that are shorter, eight to 10 seconds. Okay. If you're doing intervals that are eight to 10 seconds, you are now working on your true capacity to go faster. That is actual speed. Okay. 
you want full recovery in either regard, but you, there's two very distinct things here. So again, if you're doing 15 seconds or more, you're working on speed endurance, not necessarily your turnover to go necessarily faster. If you want that, you should be doing much shorter intervals, eight to 10 seconds at max speed. That's the difference. At 15 seconds, you're at about 90 to 95% of maximum speed. Okay. So you're, you've already diminished that potential to increase your turnover. Okay. Again, it's going to work some, but to receive the maximum benefit, you're going eight to 10 seconds at hundred percent. Now you have to be real careful with this. Be super careful if you're going hundred percent, right? Because you want to make sure a, your form is good, right? Your muscles can take it because these, this is a high propensity for injury. So be very careful. I can't stress that enough. Be very careful if you're trying to do eight to 10 seconds at maximum speed. Make sure your body's ready for it. Make sure you have the mobility, the strength, and the form to be able to do it. Okay? So very distinct difference there. But that would be the second workout is your strides. So first being whatever workout you may be doing, intervals, uh, tempo runs, uh, you know, that all those. Okay. That's your workouts. Two is strides. Three is your medium long run. Okay. The medium long run, I did a whole podcast episode about. So dive back and I'll try to put that in the show notes, but the medium long run, I believe is a quintessential to any program. You're, you're getting extra volume, extra aerobic capacity, a million different benefits to the medium long run. And I'm going to touch back on the medium long run a little bit. So number three, medium long run. Number four is your long run, okay? Um, The long run, obviously, um, usually a staple to every week. Those others are what we need to make sure we're including to create this variation in the training, okay? Everybody loves their long run. Well, most people love their long run. (laughs) Uh, So keep in mind that those four components should be throughout any phase of training. You should have all four of those, the workout, strides, um, medium long run and long run. Okay. Um, the reason that we do that is that our body gets stagnant in, in multiple ways. Okay. So if, if I were to run at uh, lactate threshold all the time or do lactate thresholds for multiple weeks, you know, trying to get up to, let's just say I tried it for eight weeks, probably around week five, maybe six, at most, I'm going to start getting stagnant. I'm not going to notice in much improvement. I'm not getting any any more benefits from that because my body's just plateaued. It's like I need a new stimulus. You've already done this for long enough. I've gotten everything I can out of this stimulus. I need change. And that's when you change to a different phase of training. That's when you work a different system is when you plateau, uh, when you stagnate. Okay? So recognize when that happens know what your body's telling you okay also fatigue levels you're going to get more fatigue by doing shorter you know max vo2 intervals so be pay attention to that know if you are feeling exhausted tired because if that's the case again the propensity for injury increases you're getting higher risk you're doing a lot to your body by doing these these intervals, so make sure you're recovering from them. And that's the other days. We talked about the four key components to include in this, but 
recovery is also huge, whether that be a day off, whether it be cross training, whether it's just a simple jog. And again, when I say simple jog, you're talking about just a shakeout, like zone two, really easy, really easy jogging. Okay. I heard a podcast today where they say it was like tripping over themselves. Easy. Okay. So go super light. And I'm not saying that we're not all these <laughs> um, stick to it, you know, rigid guidelines. I can't, I can't, you know, move away from this, this structured um, calendar that I have in front of me. You have to do what's best for your body. And, and that's also stating that if you have a workout scheduled for that day and your body's telling you it's too tired, move it to a different day, move it to a day when you're feeling better. Okay. And then vice versa, if you're feeling really good and you have a workout scheduled for the next day, maybe slide that, you know, if you know the workout, slide that workout up to that day. Because if you're feeling that good, let it rip, get into that workout. So it goes both ways. All right. The next bullet point that I'm going to talk about, uh, this, it's, I, I don't want it to come off wrong because the component is it's huge but i think at over times we overemphasize it and that's the long run i think too many people focus on the long run as the key component to their training okay they look at well i you know i only did this much of a long run i only got up to this much of a long run it's it's always they're looking for this magic number that's going to make them succeed in a race and i just want to put it out there that it's not always about the long runs okay look at the whole of your training right look at everything you've done and that's why i say create this variance in training if you create the variance in training you're doing so much more than just worrying about like did i get a certain amount of time in or a certain amount of miles in this whole, you know, however many weeks you've been training, if you got through 85% or more of it, you're going to be just fine. That's, you know, your body's going to carry it through. Okay. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So be okay with, you know, if you don't see uh, whatever your magic number is, let's say, you know, oh, I didn't get a 20 miler in for this marathon or whatever it may be. It's okay. Like, look at the rest of your training. Take faith in everything else that you've done. It's not as essential as, you know, everything else. Okay. Cause it's the whole of your training program that's going to give you success on race day, not just one long run or hitting a magic number is, is really what I want to make sure that I hit home with. Okay. Um, there's a few things that I should touch on here. Okay. When we talk about increases in volume or mileage, the 10% rule, and everybody, uh, most people have heard about the 10% rule, increasing your weekly volume by 10%, whether that be by time or whether that be by mileage. It is a safe rule of thumb. Okay. You like it is a safe way to build because if you build too quickly, yes, you can get injured. It, if you build in that regard, it's sometimes you're not going to build enough volume. Okay. Because if you look at, you know, starting at a, you know, we usually start at a very diminished amount of either time or miles. And then if you increase that by 10%, you're not going to increase a lot over, you know, 
even a long period of time. It would take a long time to get to the volume that your body needs. So that said, there's no specific number. There's no percentage that like you should increase by this much each week. Let your body be the guide. You know, how, how did your workout go? How did your medium long run go? How did your long run go? That's where you should be taking notes in your, in your diary, your journal, your uh, running log. If you do it on Strava, use those things to, you know, denote how to go. How did you feel? How did you recover? how did you feel the next day? Right? So note these things. And then that's what you base your growth off of. I feel like I could, you know, I could go a little bit further and maybe that mileage comes in the medium long run and the long run, and you just slightly increase the volume on your you know, regular runs. But the, as I said, it doesn't necessarily need to be 10%. That's the message here. Also, what we're seeing now, we've always had this 80-20 rule. 80% of your training volume should be zone three or five RPE or less, okay? Whereas 20%, can be harder. That's 20% should be the intensity in, in your week, your workout, your strides, whatever it may be in, you know, in a higher intensity level. That said, um, when you look at it, okay, that's a, a great way to divvy up your training. Um, we're going to start hearing that there's new science that's showing potentially it's 70, 30. Again, point being, if you stick to that 80, 20 rule, you're in a good, and I'm sorry if you can hear Miles, <laughs> um, you're in a good place, okay? So know that 80-20 split, is a, it's a good place to know your training, you know, that volume, okay? The other uh, piece that I, I want to make sure that I stress in, in training, uh, we've gotten this handed down this three weeks up and one week down, and I've talked about this in the podcast in the past, there is nothing, there is no cycle of the body in running that says you need to go three weeks up and one week down. Yes, our body does well when we allow it recovery, but it's not necessarily three weeks, okay? It's a safe rule of thumb, just like the 10% rule, to, you know, so we can keep building and keep growing and keep getting better. I'm not saying you shouldn't have down weeks, but you don't have to follow that three weeks up, one week down schedule. Okay. That as, as I heard on Jason Coop's podcast actually came from, uh, how, um, athletes who used anabolic steroids, that was their cycle. They would juice for three weeks and then go off for one week. And that's how they, they grew and, and, uh, <laughs> and cycled. So it's not something that's specific to running once again. So if you're following that and it's working, that's okay. You know, I'm not saying it's the wrong thing. I'm just saying, you know, some people can go a little bit more. They can go four weeks, potentially five weeks, and then take a recovery week. Again, listen to your body. What is it telling you? Listen to the signs of it. Does it need recovery? Can you keep growing? Or does it need the recovery week? Okay. So just know. All right. Now I get into Kathleen's question. Fitting it all in. Okay. Uh, and not feeling guilty if you can't. Well, you know, it's it's it is difficult, right? A lot of us, we've got work, we've got kids, we've got activities, we've got a spouse, we've got you know the house, we've got all these things we got to take care of. And trying to fit in all of these ancillary things, especially when the media is like, oh, you need to be doing you know this much mobility. Oh, you should include this much strength training. 
oh, you're never going to succeed unless you do this. It's there's so many things that the you know media are feeding us that these have to be incorporated in order for you to be a successful runner. Now, so how do you do it? How do you get it all in there? So uh, my first thing is I would say, and I did this the other day because I was feeling super tight. I was, I was pretty sore. Um, i had had my first real good long run in, in a while with some good climbing, some good descending. And then I followed it uh, with a, a really good kind of strength training. And um, it just really left me kind of tight. And, you know, I, I like I, I didn't my legs weren't you know, they weren't happy with me. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, and so I knew I needed to work on mobility and I still needed to get in some strength. But how was I going to fit that in? So I tried to incorporate movements that would work on not only my strength, but my mobility. Okay. Um, I used a kettlebell. There's a lot of, you know, you can use a lot of things around the house if you don't have a kettlebell to replicate it. A dumbbell. I mean, you could even use a, a jug, a water jug, you know, it, whatever weight and whatever you have, use it in that regard. And there's a lot of movements using a kettlebell that can help. You can, you can, you know, get a lot of uh, mobility from those movements. So it's, you know, you can look up on YouTube. Uh, YouTube is fantastic resource for that sort of thing. Um, you know, what are some good um, strength movements that will help me work on mobility in the hips, in the hamstrings, in the back? Okay. So you'll, you'll get some ideas and then you just form a, um, a routine. And that's what I did. I just slapped together a bunch of movements that I knew would help me loosen those areas up. And it did. Uh, you know, it worked to that effect. So I, I combined the strength and mobility into one routine and it took me about 15 minutes, um, which I knocked out. Now, the other component that I will say about that, we feel a lot of times that if we do a strength session, okay, that we have to, you know, just knock it out all at once. So, you know, I mean, unless we're doing like a hit workout, a high intensity interval training workout, we, you know, it's, we don't need to. Uh, the reality is if we do core or strength work, you can do it over the course of the day. Just fit it in when you can. You know, what I like to do is I like to set a certain amount of athlete schedules that I'm going to work on, take a break, um, throw in a little bit of mobile board, you know, where I'm working on my ankle or plank or strength. So, you know, I take these little breaks to kind of incorporate these things or I figure out a time where I'm like, okay, I know I can, I can get this in you know, at, at this time and, and knock it out, but you can do it over the course of the day. That's my point. Okay. You don't have to do it all at once. So if you're feeling restricted by, uh, you know, I just don't have like this block of time. I do have like a minute here and there, use that minute here and there and just knock out some stuff. Okay. Uh, and, and like, um, I had Todd, excuse me, Jesse Fuller on here and he did some great videos and, and we talked about it on that podcast where he just used the things that are around the house you know, as, uh, as objects to help him do, uh, strength and mobility work. So again, use what you have in your environment to help you do a workout. Sometimes you have to be creative, but again, you know, look around, look around the, uh, the house, um, look around YouTube, get some ideas. Okay. And see what you can do and incorporate, you know, be creative with that. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll always say that whatever you're doing, it should not hamper your running right? Like if you're having to get up super extra early and losing sleep just to fit it in, it might not be worth it. Sleep is always the 
quintessential. It is always the necessity for you. It should be your number one priority because that's going to help you recover from your running. Since running is our number one priority, make sure sleep is a high, high priority. Okay, Don't sacrifice sleep just because you want to fit in the strength, fit it in some other way. So if strength training or you know yoga or Pilates, if it's too if it's making you too tired, if you're getting too fatigued from those workouts, take a step back. Okay. Look at how much time you're doing it. Are you doing it for too long? Are you doing too many reps? Are you using too much weight? Okay. Can you decrease something to put you at a better level or a better uh um better energy level, I guess, uh, to make you fresher for your running. Cause we don't want it to diminish your running. If you're sore, yeah, you're going to be sore a little bit at first as you get used to lifting and strength again. But if it's constantly making you tired, like for two weeks, you're just, you know, you're sluggish. You're probably doing too much, either too much running and too much strength training, in which case I would take away some of the strength training first, diminish how much you're doing and either diminish how many reps you're doing, how many sets you're doing, or how much weight you're doing. Okay. Uh, or the combination of the three or two of the three, however, you know, you think will best make you a little bit more fresh in your run. If you've diminished and your running is still being sacrificed, you're still being tired or fatigued during your runs. You should look at how much running you're doing. And are you doing too much running? Should you diminish your running a little bit so that, you know, you get your legs freshened up again? Okay. So be real conscious about your body and how it's reacting to these things. Okay. All right. So, um, Kathleen, I, I really hope that helps. Um, again, you know, we're prioritizing the run. That's the big thing, right? Um, and, uh, oh, I should add, I wanted to add back about the, the medium long run. So, you know, I said there's four components. So the great thing about the medium long run is you can add strides to the end of that. So if you're really pinched for time and you don't know where in the week you're going to fit in your strides, add it to your medium long run. So now you've got four key components in three days. Okay. Makes it a little easier to incorporate. I like to keep the medium long run kind of separate from workout day because I want the focus to be on increasing aerobic capacity. So keep the medium long run as just a medium long run. Don't incorporate a workout there, but you can add the strides to the end of that medium long run. Okay. That is okay. And actually a pretty good workout. So, um, I hope that helps a lot. Um, you know, the otherwise, um, you know, things that I'll say, uh, again, you know, just like strength training, it's not ideal to break up your running, but if you have to, um, you know, especially if it's just a regular run, you can split that in half. Let's say that you had 40 minutes for the day, but a 40 minute time period is tough to squeeze in and you wanted to do a 20 and a 20, you can certainly break that up. Um, again, don't break up the medium long run or the long run. There is, there's a specific purpose for the time on your feet or, um, so, you know, stick to the duration for the medium long run and the long run. But if you have to recovery runs can be split up, uh, regular runs can be split up. Um, so, you know, sometimes you have to be creative about how you get in those things, but again, try to include those four components into each week. And if you have to combine the strides in the medium long run. Okay. 
All right. Uh, I think that's all the points I had to cover for this podcast. Uh, if Again, if it brings up any questions or things you want me to do a deeper dive in, um, please you know, feel free to ask. Uh, again, go back into my archives. I have a ton of information um, about the medium long run. Uh, I did an episode about strides and uphill strides. Uh, there's, you know, there's episodes about lactate threshold intervals, max VO2 intervals. Uh, so, you know, deep, you know, dive back into my archives and listen to those. And again, if those bring up questions or prompt, uh, you to, uh, to want to know more about training, just ask, um, happy to, you know, touch on some, some points again, or go deeper dive into other points. So just let me know as far as everything that's going on around here. Um, the, uh, the January newsletter is out. So if you haven't had a chance, uh, you can go onto my website under the uh, the contact or connect with me page. There's a link at the bottom for newsletters and you can click on that. And all of my previous newsletters are archived on that page. You can also subscribe to the newsletter on uh, mrrunningpains.com. There's a link for that. It is a free monthly publication in which I describe um, a lot of stuff. Uh, I do shoe reviews, gear reviews, I talk about, um, you know, different songs that I add to playlists, uh, nutrition, uh, reviews at times, uh, videos, podcasts that I've seen, or I think are valuable. Uh, I do articles on training. There's just a ton of stuff that I try to put in there. So I, hopefully I make it worth your while. Um, once again, um, I want to thank everybody for their donations to uh, both the Vermont Adaptive and the uh, Challenged Athlete. And I hope we can continue to raise funds. I'm going to continue to include those links in the show notes to continue to raise money for those athletes. Um, I want to congratulate Andrew, Andrew Allen Dogan, um, a good friend from, from actually back in high school. He uh, He donated to the Vermont Adaptive. And he won the contest for six months of free coaching. Uh, so I want to say congratulations to him and thank him for his donation. So again, please, if you can donate to one of those two foundations, it really does go to a great cause. These uh, challenged athletes, disabled athletes, visually impaired athletes, a number of different athletes that may not think that they have the opportunity to do sports. And these two organizations try to make that a reality for all of these amazing athletes. So please, if you can donate, I sincerely appreciate that. As always, thank you to my Patreon supporters. I mentioned them. I am doing uh, uh, every other week a special podcast for my Patreon supporters. I go deep dive into certain topics. Perhaps they have um, uh, you know, some, some things they want me to talk on. If you can donate, I sincerely appreciate that. Links are in the show notes as well. Um, anything else? Coaching. Oh my gosh. Um, I am... Uh, I'm really, <laughs> I think I'm stretched. I'm, I'm at capacity for um, athletes that I can take on. Uh, if you've already contacted me and are looking to receive coaching in the near future, you're fine, but I don't think I can take on any more athletes at this time. I am, um, you know, I'm gracious for the amount of athletes and the people that have come on board within the past month. It has been an overwhelming response to, um, you know, <laughs> my putting out there that I have coaching spots available. So, um, I probably, usually it's uh, springtime after spring marathons. I usually have some, a few spots open. So if you're looking for something um, in, in the future, potentially in the fall or something, you should probably reach out to me uh, and just kind of hold your spot. Because like I said, it's uh, it's, it's great to be in, in popular demand. Um, I'm very happy about that. And I appreciate everybody's support. Uh, and once again, I appreciate your support through this podcast. 
um, you know, all the questions, Kathleen, thank you again for these questions. Um, I'm sure if I didn't touch on something and you have a more specific question, by all means, just, uh, just fire me a message. Same goes to all of you. Uh, my, you know, my contacts, um, social media, everything, everything is in the show notes. So don't hesitate to reach out, especially if you want to hear from somebody or a specific topic that I'm happy to talk about. I do have plans for, um, multiple guests. I'm just trying to line them up. Obviously we just went through the holidays, very tough to line up guests during that time. So, um, stay tuned for some, I hopefully some, some great topics some great conversations going to have some video, um, podcasts again. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to those, uh, uh, a lot of things in the works. So stay tuned for all of that. So once again, thank you so much for your support. Thanks for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for your time and your energies. And I wish you the best in your running until I talk to you next time, my friends keep running.